0: What is going on? Bar Down Breakdown. And tonight we have a very special episode. We are hanging out with our good friend Chris Barone from the Buddy System. The Gun Stays. TM for As Tall as Lions. Also his new project, uh, American Age. Chris, what's going on, brother?
1: What's up, man? How are you?
0: It has been a long time, but it's super exciting to to see that you're involved in this benefit show for our homie tom our co-host of the podcast as well who hasn't been around much the past couple of months but we miss him dearly and what you guys did to come together for this show means so much to me because tom is literally my best friend so like seeing everyone coming you know together to support him means a lot to me a lot to justin yeah and it's going to be a bunch of fun at the same time so i guess uh you know h- how did you get approached for this benefit show and was it like a no-brainer that you were just excited to get back in the room with the boys
1: um yeah well first it's great to see you it's been i think we're in the double digits uh, since the last time we've seen each other <laughs> yeah just a, a new friend yeah um yeah um the second Someone, I think someone got in touch with Mike and uh, the second they said it, I, I, you know, it's a no brainer for me. Um, It's so hard these days as you get older to, you know, to see your old friends and um, especially for something so important, like helping our buddy Tom. It's like, you know, there's, it it was just a no brainer for me. So as as long as the rest of the guys are on board, I'm there. (laughs) Hell yeah. So
0: I guess we could plug the show quickly before we dive into all things Chris Barone. Um, we, we have a benefit show going on for our homie Tom at Amityville Music Hall on August 27th at five 30 tickets are 15 bucks. We have Ooh. survivors guilt, which was one of the bands Tom was a part of heavy hex, which I think is a, a pretty active long Island band right now. Awesome. Uh, Ink and lead, which is Tom's other project. Uh, and then the buddy system, which you guys just listened to, um, I I have to just kind of get my fanboy out like real quick. You know, you guys were a couple of years older than me. And I remember my freshman year of high school, like you guys playing the talent show and being like, holy crap, like what is this music? Because, you know, this is 2001, 2002. Like a lot of those emo and alternative bands didn't even really exist yet so like mm-hmm. it was so new to me and i remember just being a huge buddy system fan from like day one well popular outcast fan and then <laughs> buddy system fan so like i i think it was tom that actually like set me a, a you know an illegal version of the, the ep and uh it's all through, <laughs> through aim or whatever how he used to send music to everyone yep. and it was so ahead of its time, and like link, like listening back now, it really comes into perspective how ahead
1: of ahead of the times you guys were. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that we were looking to be ahead of the times. I think we were just we had we started playing together when we were I think eleven or twelve years old. Nice. Um. And you know our love for music, you know, just kept evolving, and I guess uh, a lot of the stuff that we were into ended up becoming massively you know popular um so uh, you know really i think it was just us speaking to our influences you know um in our collective songwriting just trying to do things that we would want to listen to right i mean that's really all it is and again something we could be proud of and hopefully something that we could you know have some people sing along to really
2: <laughs> mikey just unlocked a core memory of mine high school talent shows and seeing All these like punk and emo bands come together on like these weird stages and all these high school talent shows. And uh, everyone was so psyched to play it. I remember, um, I think I might have been a junior or a senior and I went to to private school. But I remember I was in a, a band with a bunch of like my friends who went to different public schools. And we were always really excited anytime there was auditions for like the Battle of the Bands or the talent shows that they would do. Because these high schools would go, like, all out for it. They would have, like, a full-on, like, light display and, like, depending on the auditorium you were in, it was just, like, this like, core memories unlocked and it's just, like, I just remember that so fondly from, like, my high school years
1: it's so funny because it's (laughs) it's it's like the opposite of punk rock these shows we're filling i mean really what it's a room full of people that's what the most important thing was obviously which is why you look past it but in hindsight i'm thinking like man let's get all our parents to come and let's have our teachers watch us and it's so (laughs) silly uh yet it was it was so incredible to do and again yeah it was it was our opportunity to show what we had to whoever we could, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> and if because I'm not going mis- play regular venues yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, bowling alleys, you know, no, no real venues at that point.
0: <laughs> but if I'm not mistaken, like a bunch of your homies like rushed the stage and like teachers were trying to stop them from getting up there. Like, it, is, is that the
1: correct? Yes, that was the, so yes, it is. And uh, there's video of that somewhere. I think like one of our parents have a video. So essentially we, I, I like this is so ridiculous i made the decision to like rip my shirt off in the middle of one of the songs we were performing we did a couple of originals um and you know it just somehow weirdly got completely out of hand and everyone rushed the stage and we got in trouble for it they tried to suspend us from our school uh for like inciting a riot and you know it was just a bunch of you know angsty teens just skanking on stage so it really yeah. wasn't anything that crazy they got mad at me for taking my shirt off but you know punk rock I mean, baby yes yeah, punk rock punk rock baby <laughs> i mean I, i'm pretty sure we drew wieners all over my body too maybe that was it <laughs> that could have yeah, been it <laughs> hey we like drawing man <laughs> so
0: you know you you guys graduate high school but continued doing the band thing and what did you record that your senior year, your that EP that we just so, listened to Central and Oaken, or was that e,
1: yeah. So the, the e, so we recorded that EP twice. I um once with Chris Arena in I think our junior year maybe. Um, and then we weren't happy with it. We kind of got over some of the songs and uh you know, we ended up having Brad join the band. I remember Brad joined the band because Chris Arena, our previous drummer, went to college, he wasn't around, and we just it just seemed like uh, you know at the time it was the easiest thing to do. Brad really wanted to be in a band. So I, I'm pretty sure we recorded that just out of high school. Um, And, and to be honest, we, I don't even know how much we played once that EP was released. I think we ended up breaking up like kind of shortly after that. Um, So it was a big, like, you know, big lead up for a fizzle out, unfortunately, but songs still live. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now, did you guys shop that EP to any labels or anything? Because there was some hype. You guys played some big festivals and things like that. And I'm sure you played with some killer bands that ended up becoming huge. Like just thinking about like the downtown still being open and all that. Like you guys were doing shit on long Island. Like, did you get any
1: attention from labels or anything like that? You know what? Right. We were trying to book a tour um you know we had just finished high school you know i didn't go to college so i got a job i was just trying to throw money at being in the band um and that was the next kind of plan uh was to see if we can get i know you know i know we could bring people to shows and i was at the time very proud of the of the ep that we made um and that was all the plan and then honestly before we could we were in the middle of trying to figure out a tour and um then it just kind of – it just, you know, was dead on the table real quick before we even had the opportunity, unfortunately. Um, you know, but that's life. Yeah. I Like if you guys st-
0: stuck around for maybe another yeah. year and caught that yeah. wave of just like the Long Island scene blowing up, who yeah. knows, man? Shit. Imagine yeah. the
1: songs we would have written too, just uh, in our continuous progression. Um, that was one of the problems with the band, I think, a lot. Again, we played together for eight or – from when we were 11 or 12 – And I think what kept happening is we would write songs. We play them out a little bit. We record them. And by the time the recording was done, we hated those songs and we were already kind of on to the next thing. So that was kind of, you know, maybe a misstep on our parts, but we were just, you know, we were hungry and we just wanted to keep writing music. And by the time we wrote new music, we're like, fuck this old music.
2: (laughs) That's the plight of every band ever. Yeah, man, it's a bummer.
0: (laughs) But,
1: That's, you know, it is what it is. We're trying, we're all trying to grow.
0: Exactly. But then not much longer after that, you know, the end of the buddy system, the gun stays started, which was a little heavier. And once again, that band was gaining a bunch of traction. I remember specifically going to a show at the downtown and it was like a, they will be huge kind of like festival that they had. And I think like, hello, goodbye, played it. Scary kids, scaring kids played it, and you guys played it. Yeah. And like that must have been a huge deal getting on a showcase like that.
1: Yeah, it was um the gun stays was cool. So the gun stays was a band already. Um, our buddy Joe Manzione had kind of you know started this band with a bunch of people he went to college with, and after the buddy system broke up, I, I was just hungry to play music again. Um, so I tried out for the gunstays, um, and I kind of they, I think they were kind of singing some of their own songs and I just came on as a singer. I wasn't a guitar player at the time. And I tried to bring, you know, whatever flavor that I I could to it. Uh, and that being, you know, kind of screamoey, a little more singy um, stuff. And, and I, I loved it, man. And we, we jumped into it, you know, face first. I mean, we practiced six days a week, played every show that we could, we wrote as much as we could. And, uh, we, you know, we, we did an East Coast tour uh, before that band ended up breaking up, again, shortly after the tour, and we had a little bit of label interest, and, you know, just right before, right before, you know, we got there, it fell apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's a, you know, same thing, Screamo became popular in, like, 2005-ish, 2006, when you guys yeah. were doing it, was, it. Yeah. and, yeah, like I said, playing a show with Scary Kids Scaring Kids that, like wasn't a household
1: name quite yet and yeah. they did go on to be pretty huge in this show. Sure. I think then Silver did, I feel like someone crazy like Silverstein played that show. I know we played with Silverstein up in Poughkeepsie a couple times. Uh we got pretty close with the sleeping they practiced right across from us. So mm-hmm. you know we did some shows with them, did some mushrooms with them, you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's there's this inside joke we have uh with all of our friends where we, we want to create like a like a sitcom of a band during that time of like the 2000s getting signed immediately going on like a you know two-month tour and realizing one weekend that they all hate each other and then talking about like just building out all these random stories that could happen while they're on tour 90 percent of them will be based off of like actual situations that have happened But it's such a cool. It's just. It's just so funny. Like it, every time you hear, like, "Yeah, we went on a tour together." We realized we absolutely couldn't stand each other for a long period of time, and then we broke up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's unfortunate, man. I mean, we were. I bought a conversion van with a, one of those automatic beds that lays down. Yeah, it comes
2: down. Oh hell yeah! It,
1: we t- we toured in the middle of the summer down through Florida. It was disgustingly hot. The AC didn't work right. Our van was breaking down. Uh, I was just you know
3: uh,
1: dong to dong with my buddy jamie Gons in the van every night it was yep it was it was tight and it was packed i mean it was a blast though and, and honestly it made us uh, if it didn't fall apart shortly after that like that tour made us a much much better band because we rather than just being in the studio working on stuff you're you're really putting it to the test and by the, by show two three four you we were just locked in our performance was locked ride. in yeah we just we felt great i felt so great about the music um and i and you know like i said we had a little bit of label interest from one day savior at the time and you know i was talking to christopher and then all of a sudden it was over
0: <laughs> Jeez, but then not much longer after that, you linked up with As Tall as Lions and yeah. did that shit for a couple of years, right?
1: Uh, I, I think I started with them in 2005. And to be honest, it started off, um, you know, we grew up with the Buddy System playing with As Tall as Lions. I was in love with that band. I think yeah. still to this day, they are way ahead of their time. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, I got them. I got them somewhere around here. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was just obsessed with the band. And, and to be honest, when they lost their guitar player – I wanted to try out to be their other guitar player um and i I asked them and i learned all the songs and they decided to go a different route they dan was going to be just you know start playing guitar for them and it worked out well for them but uh uh my it started with them basically they asked me if i could just kind of like set up their gear and and guitar tech for them at one of their homecoming shows right after they got signed to triple crown um and that turned into a two-week tour of me guitar teching, and then i went on a longer tour um, and I realized how difficult it was for them to manage everything. So I decided to say, Hey, can I be your tour manager too? You don't have to pay me any extra. Um, and then, you know, I did that for about five and a half years, and that was kind of my college experience was being on the road with those guys and um you know, learning learning life, you know, yeah.
0: And the Deer Park connection is pretty strong in as tall's lines because the very first time I saw them, maybe two thousand and four, Dana Collins was their piano player. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Which is kind of crazy to think too.
1: Yeah. So I believe Cliff, their drummer might've dated Dana's sister and they realized how wild and amazing Dana is uh, at her craft. So um, yeah, worked out for sure. Um, yeah. So I didn't even, I, that's a, what do you call it? Core memory unlocked. Jeez. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Core memory unlocked. <laughs>
3: uh, sick.
0: Deep cut. Deep cut. Deep cut. Forgot about that now you know as tall as lines at that time was probably doing you know australia and like some of those other overseas markets
1: too did you have a chance to to hop on those tours uh i unfortunately didn't i went to i went to the uk with them um and i did a uk tour with them Uh otherwise it, we did like something like in five years we did like 30 domestic tours and it was grueling uh it was a lot um I didn't have the pleasure of going to Australia with them. The, you know, the money's tight, man. It's hard. I, yeah. I get it. Um, I was super butt hurt about it at the time, but you know, that's that's c'est la vie. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's weird. I'm I I'm so obsessed with those guys' music still to this day. I listen to the album, probably, you know, all of their albums probably once a month, um, because I got you know these guys are my best friends, and honestly, did for, it actually it made me stop playing music for, for a while. Cause uh, I got so in my head, I got so insecure about my own ability because these people are just such outrageous musicians. I was like, you know, what's the point of me, of me even trying uh, when you have people like this uh, in the world, you know?
0: Well, I think it like, a, I just saw Dan share something on Facebook today. He freaking wrote another number one hit. Like it's it's on- what he does, man. Yeah, dude. N- Olivia really Rodrigo's does. latest song is number one on the Billboard charts it's again.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, they're all just outrageous. Do you know that Sean, um, wrote the song for the newest Bill and Ted's movie, and he he does all sorts of of he writes music for movies and stuff like that now too. His songs are incredible. Cliff, I don't know if you follow his Instagram, but just his drumming chops are, you know out of this world and you know julio's with uh bob Moses now and uh he's got 10 different projects of his own that are just outrageously good
0: (laughs) well that was one of the comments we got was ask chris to get as tall back together (laughs) uh
1: yeah you know if it was in my control i definitely would do it if for no one else just for myself um i'll be right there too yeah. Uh, I mean, look, if it ever happens again, I hope they uh, bring me along to help out. Or even if it's just tuning their guitars, just so I can uh, air drum to their fucking music, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's completely out of the possibility, but I will not be the catalyst for it. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I don't have that, that weight, but maybe one day.
2: Who knows with all this kind of like emo resurgence that we've been seeing over sure. the last year, uh maybe they'll just do like uh when we were young or some other type yeah. of
0: weird festival. Or we
2: did outbreak
0: uh, fest year three.
2: That sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh we did a reunion show in 2015, I remember, and we did I think two sold-out shows in LA and two in New York. Um, and it was wild, man. It was it was it was an experience, and like you know, we treated it like it was the last time it was gonna happen. It was emotional, uh just as like the final A Tile shows were emotional um but uh yeah i would i would love it to happen again man in a tiny room in a giant room whatever you know i just uh i really those songs mean a lot to me uh as well cuz they carried my life for 6 years
2: it's funny too cuz we we a couple episodes ago we had nick from Gatsby's American Dream on and oh, wow. and he said Crazy. the exact same thing he he did they did a reunion show was it was in LA mikey yep And he was just like he is like he he's like I was mind blown just to see a packed room, just singing along to like all of our songs. Like they came out to Pompeii, and everybody was singing along before he even came out on stage. Um, So it's just it's it's just it blows my mind like how you see a lot of these bands who might not have gotten kind of like exactly what you kind of wished for them back in the heyday. But now everyone's just like, I want them to come back. Like, I need this to come yeah. back. I need to, ha- like, relive
0: these memories.
1: Just like they're remaking all the movies and stuff like that. We all oh, love yeah. Nostalgia Man, and there's nothing wrong with it.
0: Well, we can even think on the bigger scale. Like, we talked with to, to Ryan from Yellow Card, <laughs> and he was like, yeah. yeah, we were a little hesitant. We didn't think, you know, people would come out for these, you know, Ocean Avenue shows. And I don't know if you've seen these pictures, but people have freaking came out. Like, oh, yeah. they are playing bigger rooms and bigger like amphitheaters and shit like that than they ever did at their heyday. Yep. Which is crazy to, to think. Well, their it's last loud, tour
2: yeah. in 2017, they couldn't even sell out one of the dates and yeah. they're selling out almost every single date
0: now. And way bigger rooms. Mm-hmm.
2: That's awesome. I mean, good for them,
0: man. Good so for them.
2: anything you can know? happen. If we can get a, we can get a, as tall as lions back or Gatsby's American dreams back or, any one of these bands coming back buddy system great (laughs) but well you guys were already back kind of back
1: (laughs) ish back ish
0: back ish so i i guess let's talk a little bit more buddy system um you know you got this show coming up have you started to schedule when you're gonna get back in a room together with everyone
1: we have been trying to schedule when we're gonna get in a room for over a month now (laughs) Uh, it's hard. Um, I've been listening to the songs, um, you know, they're super long, so it takes a lot of time um, and really kind of chop it at the bit to, to, to kind of work on them. And and to be honest, it, it, it'd be great to, for me to just maybe update them a little bit with, you know, our, our 2020 hindsight, maybe make our nine thousand five five minute song, maybe just a little bit shorter, you know? <laughs> um, but it's hard, man. I, I got a baby. My, I'm a freelancer in television, so I never really know when I'm working. Mike's got kids; everyone's got a lot of stuff going on. So, um, we're hoping in the next week or so we can we can jump in a room uh, and just start fleshing things out.
0: Now, the last time you're, you had your reunion show, was it like one practice and then show, or did you guys get in room no, a, a room a bunch?
1: We got in a room um, a bunch. I think we practiced like four or five times um the timing was a little bit better um i you know i live up in westchester now i used to live in the city so it was a lot easier and i was like not tied down so yeah it was really easy for me to jump out to long island to practice uh and all that good stuff whereas now it's just uh the logistics are just so much more difficult we're trying to figure out do we meet in queens is that easy should i come out there one day you know what i mean the logistics are just like um we we talked about doing a remote practice with like one of those apps but I don't know. I think Dustin just doesn't really know how to use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a dial up. I'm pretty sure he's on dial up connection. So yeah, <laughs> but nothing, send him a
0: send them a page.
1: That yeah. doesn't
2: feel the same too. I think it's different when when you have all your buddies in a room together and you just have the yes. the, the air pumping out from the cabs and the drums yeah. are going as as much as our, our you know mid to late thirties ears can no longer handle it. It's just one of those things where it's like you you don't get that same, I don't know, rush
1: as you do. And again, like I I don't – I do not see these guys often. The last time I saw them was at my wedding most likely, uh, which was a couple years ago. Um, So uh, honestly, I think for for the last show we did, I enjoyed the practices almost more than the show because it was just us – like old times, hanging out, bullshit, and making fart jokes. Shit. Yeah, you know, just doing all the goofy shit we used to do, and you know, uh, being nostalgic. It's it, it was great, and I'm I'm really really excited to do it again. Amen. Sorry. It's
0: well, enjoys. I definitely want to dive into way more, but before we do that, I do want to let everyone know about our sponsor, DraftKings. So, new customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. In West Virginia gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown's Races in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and older in most eligible states. But, Age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus, expire, bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet of $50 plus $10 legal requirements for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash terms. so (laughs) yeah gotta breathe it's a lot and not necessarily music related but you know after your time with as tall as lions and tm tm and for them didn't you like work for the amazing race if i'm not mistaken and like went all around the world recording and filming for that
1: um i did not do the amazing race no um okay bad intel but i did um (laughs) essentially as tall as it, it's, it's all good. It's all good. That'd be super cool. Uh, I have traveled the world uh with my new job, but not in the capacity of the amazing race. Um, I became a sound mixer uh in television, uh kind of right around when it's tall as lions uh and I parted ways, um, you know, which was like probably six months a year before they broke up. Um and so I started working on reality television shows and it has um I realized for a guy who didn't go to college um that it was a good industry it was a good parallel industry to the music industry it's a lot of really great people it's a lot of artists types and those sometimes we're making ridiculous terrible content that i would never watch sorry guys (laughs) um you know it it it, you know it, it can it can pay well if you if you do good for yourself and uh i'm i got to see the world you know i was in japan in 2011 and i was in morocco this year and i was in thailand the year before that and um it's it's an interesting career so that's I wasn't
0: awesome. too far off. You you were still doing something. No, kind of yeah, you elevator. got it. I
1: didn't I didn't do the amazing race. It's more on the real housewives tip, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: you know, hey, I've done some cool stuff. Look what's still on the air and look what the amazing race isn't doing right now. <laughs> real Housewives is the one that's yeah. blasting the airwaves.
1: Yeah, I was the um I was the audio supervisor for all of the Peacock ones. Uh, it's called Ultimate Girls Trip. Uh, so I did the I did the first four seasons and it's it's hard it's a lot of work and then those women are crazy and you know the days are long but um, again the crews are really cool and you get to work with some you know just hardworking people and we're all in the shit together and once you get out you have a beer and uh, you say what the fuck was that
0: <laughs> touche.
2: That's what I want to see. I want a camera on on the actual like producers and the crew behind the scenes. Yeah, you're picking up those conversations. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. And you know it's actually funny. You we're talking about like your idea for a scripted show about, you know, being on tour. Right when I started in television, I had this idea for a reality show about young bands going on tour and I put together a pitch and I, you know, basically you know i worked on it and i never i got too busy working to ever pitch it but uh it's it's a good idea and i think it's still possible maybe better off in the scripted realm than the reality realm
2: and you got to make it like a mockumentary too where it's like totally. there's like a yeah. camera crew following around this band and like yeah, yeah, a conversion yeah. band or the camera yep. crew doesn't even fit in there yeah. and then you just have like the band members like cutting and then talking shit about each other like to the camera and they're like yeah. you're not going to mm-hmm. show this to the guys are you
1: You go full Robert Durst and just mics on all the time and inside of the outside of a van. Um, Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, it'd be funny. Yeah. Well, let's start working on it, guys. See if we can uh, sell a show. I know the people. Well,
0: it's funny because I think it was like either last year or two years ago, a post came out saying, like, because Days and Confused is a biopic that takes place in the 70s but mm-hmm. was really recorded like filmed in the nineties. Yep. So like we're now so far removed from the early two thousands and like that type of music that was really at its peak. Like think about it, MTV playing newfound glory and shit like that. Like oh, yeah. that's never going to happen again. You're and right. you're right. We're so far removed from that, that a biopic about the early two thousands would be like the same as when days can Confused came out about the seventies.
1: Honestly, I watch it. Uh, did you guys watch that? Uh, who did that? Was it Jonah Hill did that movie? The '90s. Yep. It's about the, the those young skateboarder kids, and I was like, "This is exactly what my life was when I was 11, <laughs> like 12, 13." It's crazy. Uh, they did a really great job of that.
2: I was thinking about uh, that that Netflix movie, Metal Lords. It's I uh, haven't seen it. Oh, it's about a high school uh, best friend that came up with a metal band, and um, one of the kids is like it he he he's like idolizing this band that he saw at a talent show because they just played like just straight metal and um joe man manganello is okay. the uh the guitarist and frontman of that big metal band and he comes out he has his head shaved he's covered in tattoos you don't even know it's joe manginello and it's the coolest scene but yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, go watch Metal Lords. It is hilarious on Netflix. It's
1: jumping up, it's jumping up to the top of my list.
3: Yeah, I never even heard awesome. of that one. It's so yeah, good. No, no. Sick.
0: Sweet, hell yeah! So let let's talk a little Long Island music scene and kind of how you got into you know playing alternative music mm-hmm. and things like that. So what what was your like early memory of listening to stuff that maybe wasn't on the radio and? and go into shows and things like that.
1: Um, So I have a couple of early vivid memories of it. Um, I was into classic rock. I was raised on classic rock music. I obviously had these buddies. We were kind of outsiders, skateboarders or whatever. And I remember we used to take the train to utopia um, in Hicksville, which was like a head shop and the basement, it was just, it was a record store and you get tattooed and pierced. There It was a wild place. And we, we used to sneak on the train and, you know, uh, save our money to go buy CDs. And, um, so I, it was, it's a weird chain of events. I was into sublime sublime had some bad religion covers on, uh, on one of their records and descendants. And so I was like, Oh, let me buy that. And then I bought a bad religion CD. And then I was like, Oh, somehow, you know, maybe early internet. I don't even remember how I got into no effects. And I was just like, Soon as like, honestly, as soon as I heard like no facts, I was done. I was just like fucking punk rock for me all the way. Um, and I lived right around the corner from this old catering hall. It's called McCall's uh, catering hall. Um, and they called it the long Island zoo was like what they called it. Uh, in when Christian McKnight was booking shows there. So I used to sneak out of my parents' house and I used to walk about 15 minutes through the hood to this catering hall and see bands like, uh, River City High, Hot Rod Circuit, uh Indecision and Most Precious Blood, Um, Death by Stereo. I saw all these insane bands and I was just by myself getting kicked in the face in a mosh Pit. Uh and I, I was in love, man. I, you know, I just the first chance I got, we you know, obviously started a band. Um and it's all I cared about. It's all I wanted to do was be one of those dudes on the stage.
0: Now was that right off of Brook Avenue?
1: Yep. It was on Brook Avenue. Yeah. Jeez. It got closed down. Yeah, it was an old venue. It got closed down because they were having a casualty show and the bass player jumped off one of the speakers and like broke someone's neck. And so the place got sued. Shit. It was not a proper venue. It was a catering hall, you know, but like not even a, like a, some elaborate. It was, a, it was no Nice of Columbus. You know what I mean? It yeah. was the, the step below that. Oh my God, <laughs> a step below
0: the next. Yeah,
1: exactly. It was a rinky dink place, but man, I have so many memories. Uh, of that place.
0: And I had no idea that Christian McKnight went that far back. Like, oh, he was, dude, he was OG, the full OG. Yeah, and he still is, right? Like, I'm pretty I sure mean, he still is. I don't like, know if he's, he's still
1: with Live Nation. It. I mean, he does huge, huge stuff. I don't know if he's with Live Nation still or not. I, it's been a minute since I've spoken with him. Um, I worked in the same office with him uh, in like 2006 or seven uh, when As Tall as Lions was off tour. I got a job for Wife Swap, the television show. I was transcribing all the shot, unedited footage, and I ran into him, and you know, I talked to him a bunch, and you know, I saw him at all these as Tall as Lions shows, and. Uh, we were on good terms. He was the guy we wanted to impress. Always, you know what I mean. Yeah. He was the one who had the power. So, um but he's been around for a long time. Well, um,
0: yeah, like I, I remember this. him being like the guy that ran the downtown and the crazy yeah. donkey and shit like that. He was but the I dude. didn't know he went
1: back even further than that. Oh no, no, yeah, he went back really, really. Again, he was doing Macalew Catering Hall. He was doing um shit there was a there was a little this fucking what the fuck was the bar called maybe one of the dudes in the buddy system will remember we used to play the show at this bar in um where was it uh in, maybe in belmore or something and we played there with taking back sunday a few times and it was like no joke like a 50 person bar dive bar with a pool table you know where half of the 50 people would be i forget the name of it um, and he also did a lot of shows at the Sahara as well, which is like kind of a bigger bigger venue, if you can call it a venue. It was like a weird club that we squatted during the days for, for shows. So can I, we quickly
0: talk about that? Because, you know, Taking Back they blew up so quickly. Yeah. But like, what was it like playing shows before they blew up with them? You know, cause there's not, it wasn't a big window where they were like grinding it out in long Island. No, like it, it happened very quickly.
1: Yeah. There was also like a pretty decent age gap with us. So I, you know, our interactions were, were few and far between at these shows, they would kind of show up and just blow the house out. And you know, when you're 15 years old playing with these bands, uh, we love their music. We were just kind of getting into them and saying, wow, who is this band They're fucking amazing. Um, we never got like super, super friendly. I, you know, I, I, got friendly with them down the road a little bit when we were a little bit older, um, uh, through our buddy, Brian Hoffman. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could see, you could see that there was something, you, you know, you could feel it, that there's was something was there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and again, those are the people we strive to be like, uh, you know, like the, just as far as like putting your effort into the performance, you know, and songwriting.
0: Yeah, because I, I I think, you know, you guys being two years older than myself, um, you know, that that wave of like taking when, when I discovered taking back Sunday in probably 2003, 2004
1: is already after tell all your friends, right? They, yeah,
0: they, they already blew the like yeah, they weren't playing really long, like they weren't playing Long Island, like the downtowns and shit like that much. They yeah, they were yeah. playing in the stadium and shit. Yeah, big yeah. tours.
1: Irving Plaza and stuff like that. Yep. Happy. You're what cool. I would
2: give to be like a fly on the wall in those situations. Like, I never got to see it. Like, I got to see cool shit in Florida, but I would have loved to have seen just Long Island blow up in the early 2000s. That would have been like so cool to see.
1: It was cool, man. We went to, you know, I remember going to Irving for like the Deja Nintendo release party. It was yeah. insane. It was completely
0: mad i think i was 18 you know yeah uh, it, it was, was a fun time was, that's for sure it was and you know we we kind of caught the next wave and go into the downtown you know at least once a week there was one sure. flyer that po- came up a couple of months ago that someone still had of i think it was the month of november <laughs> and it was like the starting line, something corporate. Oh, it was like, crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to literally every single one of those shows yeah. in the month of November. I'm like, man, I must have been there seven times in this month Easy. alone. And seeing bands, I got that a job at the, at, doing it.
1: He's still doing it. I I got a job at the downtown when I was sixteen, and I worked uh, as a stagehand. And uh, this guy George Marshall, uh, who just passed away recently, unfortunately, kind of took me under his wing. And really, I wanted to work there so I could see all these shows. I actually hold on, are you ready for this? I don't know if you'll be able to see it because of the glare. Oh, uh, let's see if I can get this off the wall. So this. I got at four in the morning uh, from oh, Andrew yeah. W.K. I worked his show, and my job at that show was to keep my feet on the barricades and my back to the stage because it was so crazy. Uh, it says, he wrote, he was there till four in the morning signing autographs, and he wrote, Dear Chris, it will register with that which resonates. Party hard and thank you, your friend Andrew W.K. 918, 2002.
3: That's Fucking crazy. Insane.
1: It's still on my wall, man. One of my favorite things.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: fucking and Andrew and WK.
0: No joke. the The window of time that the the downtown even existed is so small. Yeah, like it, it's only a couple of years, and the amount of
1: bands that came through that small ass like Do you even know what the cap is? Three hundred. It was a 700 cap. It was a 700. I remember. Really? Because, you know, I worked there. It was 700. They would, when they have, would have like Bob Marley's whalers come in, they would definitely put 13 or 1400 people in that place. <laughs> um, they, uh, they, they, they did. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that, uh, you know, in the public, but whatever, it's closed now, right? No yeah, one cares. Yeah, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> that place was packed.
0: Where did they, um, even, because like the actual stage area, is yeah, it was so small. Like, I know i well, they, they had, had the, the VIP, VIP section and then yeah. the
1: back bars. They, you know, they were stretching seven for sure. That was a stretch. Uh, the seven hundred. Yeah, shit. Yeah, that's insane. It was but, yep, you know, Yeah. Yep. That was my, fun, though.
0: One of my prized memories of you know grinding it out at shows is seeing Fall Out Boy play that room.
3: Oh, and, interesting.
0: Like Haley from Paramore played two or three songs. Before their set, because she just got signed to Fuel by Ramen, oh, and she wasn't even like in Paramore yet. It was just like, mm-hmm. "Hey, this girl's gonna acoustic, like." It was an yeah. acoustic performance. Yeah, oh, cool. Play a few songs, and yeah, it's like shit. That th- those are just memories that are gonna stay with me forever. Like, for sure. And I'm still 36 years old talking about it. So, I yeah, mean, dude,
1: they let you get away with the murder there too. The crowd surfing, like, you, it was a fun venue. It really, really was fun for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't you guys also? I'm not sure if it was with the buddy system or with the gun stays. Didn't you get a chance to play CBGBs?
1: We, who was it? I think the buddy system played CBGBs. Yes, we did right before it closed. Um, we had like a, a 17 minute set. So I think we got maybe three or four songs in. Um, and there wasn't many people there at that time, but just to be able to, uh, play it, you know, say we played it was great. It was really, really awesome. Very proud of that. For sure. I might've had sex in the bathroom too, before it closed. (laughs) Giggity. Sorry. (laughs) That's probably
2: not the dirtiest place to ever do that. It was gross. (laughs) (laughs) gross.
1: It's still having sex with a cockroach, by the way. I didn't tell you that. Oh Yeah. (laughs)
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
2: It was probably calling you Bozo, too, with a deep smoker accent.
1: It was giving me this look like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this a PG podcast? What's happening? No, we're, 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 rated R. <laughs> we're all <good>. Yeah, <laughs> We're all old people, so it's fine. We can curse. <laughs> Amen.
0: So, let's talk about your latest project, because I, I listened to it last night and um, gave me real, like, Gaslight Anthem, the Menzingers vibes, so... When when did you decide you wanted to throw your you know yourself back in the ring and and start creating music again?
1: Uh, kind of always, man. It's uh you know it's hard again. My my job is is very. I never know when I'm working. I could get called right now to go to another country tomorrow. You know, um. So I um have been playing basically right right after as tall as Ly- lions. Uh, my my time with them ended. Um, you know, I started working and I, uh, started hanging out with my, my buddies, Pete and Keith, who were in a band called how it became a pirate. They were, uh, they were Fordham guys and the Gunstays played play with them a lot. You know, we just hit it off. Um, and we got really, really close and we just kept trying to play together. And, you know, again, it was hard. Sometimes I'd be off for a month and we'd play all the time and we were able to set up in my loft in Brooklyn and jam out. I was able to, re- to record some demos and we'd make demos and then I'd be away for a year. So nothing really metastasized um, for a long time. It was just kind of an in and out thing. We had a bunch of different band names We were every year it's like, Oh, let's do something this year. Let's do something this year. Um, and then uh, after the buddy system show in 2018, I was just feeling like reinvigorated uh, whenever that, was. I think it was 2017 or I think it was 17 was the buddy system show, but we were just like, all right, let's put out an album. I don't like, if we have to do it ourselves, let's do it ourselves. And, um, so yeah, we, you know, Keith, um, writes a lot of the songs, but we all kind of had a hand. I wrote, uh, you know, three or four of the songs. Um, and I actually found out after the buddy system show that, uh, I had severely been damaging my vocal cords for the last 15 years. The gun stays metal bands, drugs, alcohol, going to loud bars, yep. pack a day. Um, so I had a surgery on my vocal cord and it just like, um, singing for me was not seeming like something that i'd be able to do long term if i wasn't careful so um when that happened i really like buckled down and started studying the guitar uh just really trying to get better at the guitar at the piano um and a lot of that came out on the american age record uh i just rather than i sung I sung a few songs lead vocals a lot of harmonies uh but i just wanted to speak through my guitar so if you listen there's you know 16 bar solo and almost every song it's pretty gratuitous um but i'm i'm really proud of it i um i engineered the record um and um my younger brother recorded the vocals uh he engineered the vocals and then um we had a guy chris hayes mix the record um and it was a long process man again with work and with our with our with our you know our lives uh it took us a little over a year to release Uh, And we released it in 2019 and we had a record release show and it was packed and it was a blast. Uh, And then COVID hit. And then, you know, it just kind of just stopped, you know, and and we couldn't get together. We were all moving all over the place. And um, that was, you know, we haven't played since the end of 2019. Same deal. I mean, I, I listen to that record from time to time. I'm really proud of it. I'm hoping that we can uh, work together soon. Those guys actually have made a new record that's coming out soon. Uh, Their new band is called Shore Points. Uh, It's a three piece, and it's very, like, it's awesome, man. It's uh, from the songs I've heard, it's really in that gaslight pocket. Uh, Keith, uh, in my opinion, a lot of the songs from American Age were songs that we had been accruing over 10 years. So there were, you could feel that a lot of them were like kind of, our older stuff that we were just kind of trying to put together this, like he really like found his voice as a songwriter and I'm very proud of all of them. Like, uh, with the, with these new songs, they're, they're really great. So hopefully short points album comes out soon you can all check it out. Hell yeah. yeah. So yeah. is that
0: something you might want to explore later on is doing some more recording and production stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm essentially a sound engineer in television. Um, I'm daunted by engineering music. Um, I, I don't know why I'm so intimidated by it. Uh, but I learned a lot doing the American age record for sure. And I, and I do want the opportunity to to do it again. Um, you know, I have a couple of my own tunes. I was thinking about maybe trying to put together um, some solo stuff. Um, you know, I maybe sometimes do a little bit better with someone reining in my wild ideas um so i'm not sure where it goes uh it's you know i just had a baby last year so uh, it's a little hard to get you know a lot of time thank you man it's the best fucking best guys just do it it's the best if you guys don't have kids whoever's listening i can't believe i waited till i was 38 years old to have a child my whole life is exponentially better uh with my wife and my son and i hope i can teach him some music (laughs) yeah Sweet. You know, yep. um so yeah but, it's on it's on the docket, it's just a matter of of working at the time. And I, I get down on myself a lot. It's really easy for me to you know say, well, that sucks, and you know, you suck. Um, but I'm you know, I'm working through that, you know, day by day. You know, sometimes I'll play for three weeks straight and I'll get a lot of stuff down. Sometimes I don't play for a month or two, unfortunately. You know? just try to keep these guitars around so I'm a little <laughs> motivated.
0: Touche. So I guess this is a a great time to go to some of the uh, questions that people submitted. So the first one is, where's Jim Belletti?
1: You know, I think that myself sometimes. (laughs) Uh, I wonder what he's doing. I ran into him at, at this point. It must have been like seven or eight years ago. I think he might still be in Deer Park. I hope he has a family. I hope he's really, really happy. He was one of my early, early best friends. Uh, when I used to play football and do crazy stuff, that's what that song is about essentially is. Uh, going as young as we were, going back to the even older days where, you know, all you cared about was fucking staying out late and, you know, playing football. You know, yeah. riding your bike. Hell yeah!
0: Whereabouts in Deer Park did you grow up? So I'm guessing yeah. since you used to walk to to uh, Brook Avenue, yeah. like over by like.
1: Yeah, where the outlets Ikeria, are. Now. So I, I, okay, yeah, I'm off Comac Road in that little, like that little pocket right there, Birchwood. Birchwood, I think, is what they call uh, yeah, it. Yeah, Birchwood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I live over in that Birchwood area. That's I, I. moved there in the third or fourth grade, and that's you know where my family set up shop, and they're still there.
0: Hell yeah, sweet. Um, yeah. The next question I had was, where'd the pepperoni go?
1: The pepperoni is in my belly. <laughs>
0: I think that oh, was God. Mike Calvert might have asked of that one. Of course it was. Of course <laughs> it
1: was. Um, yeah, my wife hates pepperoni. It's great because I get to eat all of it when it's around.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we had some funny questions. And then Sal Panza just said sick. So sick. shout out to Sa- Sal Panza.
1: What <laughs> up, Chainsaw?
0: Cool. Well, Chris, this was a-, a blast from the past. And just hearing kind of all these stories really – are just questions I've had for years that I never had a chance to ask you. And it, it was cool because you guys really did bump elbows with people that, like we've said, are still doing a lot of shit in the music world and our household names, not just on long Island, but across yeah. the country, across the yeah. world. So it's pretty sweet. We
1: were so close. We were so close, but we learned never a lot too lessons, late, man. Never can't. too yeah. late. Hey, you know, you ever, you ever would... see
0: that, um, movie like finding sugar man or something like that yes
1: i have seen finding sugar man yeah that's a great documentary uh uh, it is do you know that story justin no
0: so there's this guy in like the 70s who put out this album here in the states that was a complete bust like he had maybe a major label signed him and it just didn't do well and he i think he might have even like gone on to be homeless or something if i'm not mistaken and all of these years later someone from south africa like was like you know i absolutely love this artist and everyone here in south africa like idolizes him he's like the jimmy he blew up in south
1: africa and had no clue for like 25 years
2: oh they like they put this together with like super eight like iphone film yeah
1: yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's really story. it's good. It's a cra- it's just it's just a yeah, it's a really amazing story. So can uh, he, they bring him over there and everything is wild.
0: He's like the Billy Joel like the equivalent of like how Billy Joel is on Long Island but for fucking South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. And I think he was and from he didn't Detroit, know it. right?
1: He was from Detroit? I think so. I think so, the guy. Yeah. yeah. It was wild. It's a yeah, it's a, definitely worth a watch. It's a great doc.
0: Yeah, so maybe some country in like Europe is just huge Buddy System fans, and they're that'd be listening, so, so, and that'd they're be gonna so be so ridiculous.
3: <laughs> and <the> buddy
1: System, <laughs> yeah, they come need on. to come uh, here. Come on! Again, just the opportunity <laughs> to play with these guys. Um, I know we're all busy, and if we could figure out a way to to remotely play together, you know, I'd I'd love the opportunity to maybe work on some new songs with these guys. Um, you know, we'll see if it if it happens. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful that. Something like this could be a catalyst for us to start doing doing something again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm just super bummed that I can't be there. I know. Me but, too, man. Yeah. But once again, the Benefit Show is August 27th at AMH. So many killer bands from the past and the present. And it's all to support our homie Tom, who is going through one. And it's it's just amazing to see how many people have come together to make this night possible raise some money have some fun and just i, I even put it out there i was like can we just like make this our 20th reunion because that's coming up soon so is like there just 23
1: yeah there... i never went to a reunion a high school reunion i didn't
0: I me either i that. didn't go to my 10th yeah. but 20th is right around the corner so yeah down. mine is here.
1: probably mine is probably this year. It probably just happened, like a <laughs> few. Right? Does it happen in June? Is happen? When does it happen? Uh, I, I graduated in two thousand three. I just realized. <laughs> it probably happened this June, right? Yeah, what well, happened this, this summer? Sons of bitches never reached out. <laughs> oh well, I got, I got shit happening. Um yeah. Can I do a, a shameless plug? Yeah, absolutely, um, please. So I started a woodworking project, um, kind of just a chance to be artistic and and make some other types of art. Um, It's called flashwood designs. Essentially I do a lot of tattoo styled art um, with uh, in cutting boards and other pieces. Um, I make beer bottle openers and um, I use resin sometimes and pour multicolor stuff. And sometimes I do stuff like this. Here's a little, little doodad. So this is just like a little, little, you know, Coaster essentially, um, and I use a laser engraver to kind of do the work, but I draw it all myself. And nice. trying to get people to, you know, check out my art. I'm hoping to sell some of it uh, at the show, maybe, and, and make some extra moolah for Tom. That would be really great. Um, yeah, but it's uh, at at Flashwood underscore Designs on Instagram, uh, and I think there's an Etsy, but my wife runs it, and I haven't really gotten it off the <laughs> ground yet. <laughs> Cool, but i'm man. making art yeah. there so check it out
0: yeah it looks it looks sweet and it's fun it's fun those laser engravers are sweet my my uh my buddy here in charlotte works for like a golf company he has probably a, a very elaborate one yeah and not... he uh has like etched in like in our tumblers like those jet yeti yep. co- tumblers and he does yeah. like a bunch of cool shit in that yeah it's and...
1: fun it's it's, it's kind of endless possibilities i'm really into like uh I have a 3D printer. I've got a CNC router, which is similar to a laser, but it's a drill bit kind of, yeah. you know, drilling things out. Uh, and that's what I do a lot of my resin pouring stuff with. Uh, I'll CNC out, you know, one color at a time and pour it. And it's time consuming. But, you know, I'm a big fan of the, of the tattoo community and the artist. And I've always wanted to have some form of art to give back. Um, or feel like, you know, I'm just doing something creative. So it's been, it's fun. It's still an ongoing process. I'm kind of learning the medium, learning how to use the tools that I, that I have. And, you know, I'm drawing every day. So that's, that's yeah. a positive thing. Uh, there might be a couple of buddy system pieces, might be a couple of ink and lead pieces at the show, you know, just some commemorative veiny wood Hell drawings.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Carve Tom's head into one of them. Um... I, yeah, I would I'm buy that one right now. I would now. buy I'm gonna the heartbeat.
1: Ma- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something for homie. Don't let him watch this, but I'm definitely going to make him a surprise. Yeah. He doesn't, watch, never, he doesn't yeah, listen yeah, to he, the podcast.
0: He's he, he never okay, listened good. to the episodes he was on. There's no chance yeah, he's listening.
1: Yeah. He's oh, I'm worst. just going to make him just a veiny, triumphant, all balls, little – it's going to be great. And then his yeah. face is just going to be right on the front. his
2: face <laughs> right on the head <laughs> with a little turtleneck.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. A little turtleneck. I like that. He does wear turtlenecks. <laughs> he wears turtlenecks he? and he wears. Oh, yeah. He wears uh, sweater vests. yeah.
2: Sweater vests. Yes. That's vest really ballsy, tur- man. Yeah. I wish
1: I could wear a turtleneck. I do not have the confidence to wear a turtleneck. I bought a dicky once for you know what a dicky is. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So,
1: so like you know what uh what cousin Eddie wears? It's just it's just the turtleneck and the flap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bought one of those for a Christmas party once, but I yeah I don't like things around my ankles or around my neck. Uh, you know that's why I wear vans.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I'm the same way.
1: It's crazy. Well,
0: Chris, Uh, man, this this was a ton of fun, man. I I truly appreciate you hanging. And um, I'm going to be having some serious FOMO when I see all the clips of the Buddy System uh, performance coming up online and whatnot. But it's going to be a killer night. So definitely get your tickets now. Um, I I can totally see this selling out. So get your tickets. Yeah, because
1: tom tom tom
0: knows every important
1: guy tom he does he's everything. a great guy. Well, you he's the best person on the face of the earth he's literally an angel on earth so just, just yeah, the fact know. that
2: he met he met mitts from formerly of mad at a at a salvation army still blows my mind yeah and Mitz talks so highly of tom and it's just like and tom and-
0: like kind of just like he's like yeah i got this guy mitts who might want to come on the podcast uh I'll I'll link you guys up and I was just like all right yeah I'll reach out to him and then we're talking to him and he's like yeah I worked with Tom like Tom's the best guy ever and like singing the highest praises and Tom was just oh. <laughs> and then was, and then obviously Madball is so
2: yeah Indiana I grew up York.
0: watching him play in Madball
1: yeah yeah it's crazy man I uh, gotta love Tom hopefully we make him some dough
0: Amen. yeah well um thank you guys this is really really
1: fun justin it's great to meet you dude you got my number you got you got a question about whatever just shoot me a text man yeah all right sounds sending you some really weird fucking gifts (laughs) gifts gifts (laughs) yeah i'm never gonna answer in word form i'm always gonna answer in something ridiculous
0: all right look forward to it
1: uh thanks guys appreciate you
0: all right thank you so much man take it easy
1: see ya